Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Not Another Mummy Podcast with me, Alison Perry. Welcome back to another episode. Today, I'm joined by author of Get Your Kids to Eat Anything, Emily Leary. Emily is a mum of two and runs the food blog, A Mummy Too. And she's created a five-phase programme which promises to help parents address the issue of picky eating. I was really keen to chat to Emily, having a very fussy eater at home who favours all things beige and turns her nose up at even basic family meals like spaghetti bolognese or chicken stir fry. I know it's quite stressful. Uh, So can Emily help my picky eater and can she help your picky eater? Listen to my chat with her and all will be revealed. Emily, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Very, very excited to have you here. Um, We've known each other for for a few years, haven't we? Yes, lots of years because we're from the old school of blogging and influencing and all that. So you're a, you're a mummy blogger. Yeah. Do you like that? That that some people really don't like being called a mummy blogger. It feels a little bit limiting. I know that when people say it, they don't mean it in a negative sense unless they do. <laughs> um, I mean, I called my blog a mummy too because I had baby brain and I was pregnant and I had kind of you know. A marketing life and a career and a Twitter profile that was about kind of you know what I was doing at work, and I was a mummy too. So it was always going to be kind of a side thing that I considered, to be honest, probably a bit lesser than what I did as my main job. Yeah. Um, and that's really shifted now. And and being a mum and a writer and you know doing all of these things is core to what I do now. So would I call my blog a mummy too now? Probably not. But is mummy a negative word? Probably th- not. Do you know what? That's, that's really interesting. I think you just nailed there a journey that so many of us go on. Yeah. That when you have your first baby, you're really almost like fighting against this kind of identity shift. Mm-hmm. And you think, but I'm so much more than just a mum. Yeah. And then after a while, it kind of shifts a little bit. And you think, actually you know, this whole mum malarkey is pretty amazing and mm-hmm. the stuff that I've achieved in that sphere kind of is as important as the, all the, you know, your professional achievements and all the other stuff. It's quite an interesting shift, I think, that a lot of us go through. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, kind of, I am a big fan of, you know, like, 
hoodies that say mother on them and that kind of thing. I could really embrace it now. Mm. But, you know, as a new mum, there is no way I would have gone down that path. And yeah. There is that fear, I think, as a woman of kind of admitting your femininity as well. You're like, no, I'm just as good as the men and everything. Yeah. But actually, you are just as good, but you're also different and you can embrace being a mum and a woman. And that doesn't make you lesser, but it takes a while to learn. That. Yeah, it does. So your blog is a mummy, too. And you've been blogging for quite a few years. And that's how we know each other. Yes. Um, but you have gone and written a book, you smarty pants. <laughs> uh, tell us about your book. It's called Get Your Kids to Eat Anything. It is. So um, I started food blogging quite early on in the kind of the mummy blogging journey because, you know, I was at home with my son waiting for my daughter to arrive and we were making, you know, actually when I look back, terrible cakes. You know, kind of when you try and do rainbow coloured cakes. I bet they weren't terrible. They were kind of swamp coloured, but I was very proud of them. (laughs) Um, And, you know, it kind of started from there and I realised that, you know, food, especially kind of fun food or quick food is something, you know, we all have to eat every single day. So it seemed to really resonate with people. So food took quite a kind of a strong strand on my blog quite early. And then because I was experimenting with food a lot, um, obviously I started to kind of branch out a little bit and not just kind of cook the obvious stuff. Um, And obviously kids don't always want to try the stuff that isn't the obvious stuff. They want to stick with the meals they like. They Uh, want to stick with the beige. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and who doesn't? You know, you get in from a long day and some some toast with butter is just Mm. winning. Um, But my son's on the autistic spectrum. Um, my daughter has had um, recurring croup, like really regularly recurring, pretty much since she was a baby, even now when she's seven. Mm. So she's always got a sore throat. So I had these two kids, one who was kind of, from a sensory perspective, nervous of new foods, and one who just wanted nice, soft beige foods that wouldn't present a challenge. Um, and so that's where the book comes from. It's how can you, when you're at that point as a parent, which lots of us are, how can you go from there to being to able to serve up whatever's left in the fridge in an exciting way that the whole family want to eat um, and it not be this horrible battle. That, I mean, that to me, that uh, my heart rate, rate is kind of going up a little bit as you're saying <laughs> that because that seems like a really big challenge. It is a big challenge. And I think what I realised really quickly is that... Um, what tends to happen is the when we first start weaning our children, they're amazing. They'll eat anything. You know, you're pureeing up all these crazy foods and they're yumming them down. And you give them, you know, something you'd never dream of them eating and they just shove it in their faces. And it's really exciting. Um, and then what happens is they start to develop preferences like we all do. Um, and what they're willing to eat starts to narrow as they start to kind of realise they can use the word no and they can throw stuff in their mum's face and they can you know, empty a bowl over dad. Um, and it's fun for them. And so you start to pick up on what they will eat and you start giving them that over and over again. So you give them broccoli because you know they like broccoli. Um, and then suddenly they won't eat broccoli. And you're like, but why? That was the one vegetable you would eat. Well, we'd get bored of broccoli too yeah. if it was on our plates every single day. And so it gets narrower and narrower and narrower. So what this book does is reverses that process. So what you're doing is introducing lots of variety so regularly gently increasing the amount of variety that that becomes the norm so that when you put a plate in front of your child they expect lots of colour, they expect things to look different and therefore it doesn't panic them. And okay so this whole, so obviously the the, the book takes you through the five phases of your programme. What you just described, that's phase one isn't it? So introducing variety. Yeah. What if you really have got a child who is just refusing. So, you know, in, in the book you talk about how, you know, you might serve up, um, you might, if, if your child likes fish fingers, mm-hmm. make a sort of sort of curried fish finger yeah. with sweet potato chips rather than just regular chips. Mm-hmm. But what if your child is literally just like, no, 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 I'm not having that. It's not my normal fish fingers and chips. Yeah. 
what what do you as as a mum what do you do or as a, as a parent what do you do so in that moment i think it's really important that in general we don't treat food as a battleground so you know begging pleading crying try to avoid all of that um and just try to get them to interact with the food so in that moment i might ask them to kind of smell it talk about what they do and don't like about it um you know some sometimes in the early stages my daughter would kind of like you know pull the batter off it because that's the bit she was suspicious of you know eat the inside of the fish and then kind of sniff the batter and go actually I might try it and kind of you know that was her way of deconstructing it that's fine you know you're interacting with it you're holding it you're smelling it you're feeling the texture so even if they don't try it that time you've still got some progress but I am aware that if I'd just written 70 recipes that get increasingly crazy you know, to the point where you're serving up strawberries and cream pasta and just said, there you go, feed your kids that. that <laughs> I would have got a slap, collective slap from the parenting population of the world. So rather than just being recipes, it is a programme. So there's lots and lots of activities that are suitable from probably kind of preschool right the way up to the end of primary school and beyond. But that's the kind of primary school is kind of the core focus. And it's things like um, challenges. So there's fridge roulette where you go in and you grab two random things from the fridge and you taste them together. Might be nice, might be horrible, but it's all about kind of embracing that kind of adventurousness with food. There's challenges when you go to the supermarket. There's kind of encouragement to go to markets. And there's all sorts of stuff around education and designing plates. So it's much more than just here's some recipes and every kid should eat them. I love that though because like my eight-year-old is obsessed with challenges because she watches YouTube. Yeah. So something like going to the fridge and picking out two random ingredients and eating them, she would just think would be the most fun thing ever. So it feels like you kind of tapped into something that children will really want to do. Yes, and you don't have to kind of worry about how far along you're getting. You can just try these challenges and and just have fun with them. And then, you know, try serving up a meal and kind of see how it's going. Um, So it'll probably go at different speeds for different families. If you're kind of super confident and you're you're kind of a family that are used to embracing challenges and really sticking to them, then you could go kind of end to end in 10 weeks, done, absolutely nailed it. Or you could take longer. Or a lot of people have just dipped in and gone for... Um, just any recipe that they fancy from anywhere in the book as a starting point because the kids have seen how weird it is and they've gone straight for phase five recipes because they've gone, yeah, let's have savoury strawberries. That sounds weird. Mm. So, you know, it's going to be different for every family, but I'm hoping that there's something in there for everybody. And do you think that that even if you're... Because obviously... Sometimes I can be a little bit suspicious of uh, recipe books, as ridiculous as that sounds, because usually they have been created by somebody who loves cooking Mm -hmm. and whose, you know, passion is being in the kitchen and creating something. And I'm not that person. (laughs) I'm lazy in the kitchen. If I can have a shortcut or a hack, I will take it. Um, if I can have someone else cooking my meals for me, then that is that's the ultimate. Um, I'm I'm just really lazy. So, do you think that this book can be used by parents who don't have that passion for being in the kitchen like you do? Yes, absolutely. So that was really important to me. Um, all of the ingredients can be bought in the supermarket. There was no way I was going to be asking somebody to go to kind of a London Saturday market to get a special ingredient. I mean, if there is anything unusual, like there's aki, which is a kind of a Caribbean fruit Mm. you can get it canned in the Caribbean section of a supermarket and it will be one special ingredient you have to go hunting for and it will be in the supermarket so that was really important and also the methods are really easy so um, 
the things that the kids can help with if you want them to because as a busy parent myself you know you don't always want the kids in the kitchen sometimes you just want to bash something out and get it on the table but there are always parts the kids can help with and for the most part the hands-on activity will be kind of 10 minutes 20 minutes what I've also tried to do with the meal plans that come for each week is if there's anything more involved so for example there's a focaccia which is really fun to make you have to make up the dough you have to kind of prove it you get to stab your fingers in it and that takes a while now most of it's proving time but it still takes some time so in the meal plan it's in the weekend so it's an activity to do with your kids that's going to take a bit longer I'm not suggesting that you know on a Wednesday morning (laughs) before the school run and work and everything that you're just happily making focaccia at breakfast yeah just casually making focaccia (laughs) um how important do you think it is then to get the kids involved like in the actual cooking do you think that's that's a really big part of getting them to kind of buy into what they're eating yeah I really think that food is about all five senses and in so many ways we kind of accidentally undo the kind of the natural curiosity that kids have with food we're like get your fingers out of that you know don't put it up your nose okay maybe they shouldn't be putting food up their nose but um you know my kids my daughter especially will do really weird things like a cheese and onion crisp in a strawberry yogurt i'm like what are you doing is what i want to say but i'm like no actually if she wants to explore taste that's fine and you know the same thing when they're involved with cooking you know they're getting hands-on with it they're seeing what it looks like they're getting used to the smells and the textures and they're also investing in the food a little bit more so you know how much prouder are kids when they've helped with something so then they're more likely to want to try it yeah yeah it's something that I've been trying actually with my eight-year-old because my eight-year-old is the fussiest eater and I kind of don't want to label her as a fussy eater I feel really bad especially when I say it in front of her like if if we're going on a play date and the other mum is saying oh you know will will she eat a curry and I'm like oh she's a bit of a fussy eater (laughs) and I feel like I'm labeling her and that's then making the problem worse um but yeah we've we've tried getting her in the kitchen and actually it's been a bit of a success. We've we've got her making her own burgers and you know wedges, and we've started with things that she would normally eat. Yeah. But making her version of it, so we've got the panko breadcrumbs and you know making things like burgers and sort of chicken nuggets, which you know you might think that sounds like the worst idea in the world Mine to be making great. those things, but <laughs> it, it seems to have kind of worked in terms of just getting her off the the kind of the five things that she was. Well, this is the thing. This is actually why I didn't want fussy eaters on the cover. I mean, obviously, you know, I have talked a lot about fussy eating, you know, when I've been doing interviews and things, because that is how that's the kind of terminology we use. But Mm. actually, I think this applies to the majority of families, you know, especially when I started the blog, I was on maternity leave. But ultimately, all of the activities and the useful things I was sharing were done in those tiny bits of spare time you know after work and before the kids go to bed or on these ridiculously overstretched weekends and so you know they all tried to be you know really really squeezed into a a tiny amount of time there isn't this kind of ideal Stepford wife at home running the family anymore for the vast majority of people and so we go for foods that are quick and that are easy and that we know our kids will eat and that gets narrower and narrower and that's completely natural you know and (laughs) I would quite happily live on either pasta or curry pretty much seven days a week if I was allowed (laughs) because it's easy. Um, And so this is really for most families. And that's why I think, you know, most of us are fussy eaters. And it does sound like this terrible term where there's kind of a big issue. But actually, I think it applies to most of us. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Why do you think that is the case with kids, though? Why, um, why do you think that so many of them do have such a limited, narrow number of things that they're comfortable eating? I think there's a, there's a few things going on. There's the kind of that learning to say no for the first time and taking a bit of, of sort of control over your parents. And we see that a lot because they will eat a lot more at nursery, for example. Yeah, or they at do. Yeah, like you, you know, they come back from nursery and then the report is, oh yeah, they eat all their you know, chili con carne at lunch. You're like, chili con carne, they would never eat that at home. Yeah, and you're just convinced, you're thinking that's it, they're starving them, they can't be eating all of this amazing stuff. Um, But they are, so there is an element of just taking control. Um, Children's kind of senses and their taste buds are changing all the time. Um, And, you know, neophobia, a fear of the new, is really natural, Mm. really, really natural. And, you know, we still go through it as adults, don't we? And, you know, I was on a... One of those sky trail things where you have to kind of step out onto a beam and you're kind of harnessed. And my daughter got scared. I was like, I'll do it first. And I couldn't make my foot step on. I was like, come on, Emily, set an example. And I eventually managed to make myself. But even, you know, I knew it was safe and I've done similar things before. But my brain went, this is new. This is dangerous. Don't do it. And kids have that feeling. So, you know, and again, we're all really busy realistically we can't be sitting at the table every single night you know usually mum or dad is out to work or whatever um but where we can setting a really good example you know so they see lots of different foods is a habit that we need to remind ourselves to get back into I used to be really bad when I had deadlines of I'd have been cooking at lunchtime while they were at school because, you know, I had something to send off to a client. So in the evening, I'd kind of make them something and then I'd be kind of running around, tidying the kitchen, eating a piece of toast. Um, and I realised that that wasn't setting a good example either. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the tips that are in this book, you know, I was the first test, test subject of kind of putting all this into action, making lots of notes and seeing how it worked with my own kids um, and then kind of getting readers to try various bits of it out as well. So... so- in some way, did you do this programme with your kids, even though it wasn't a programme, it wasn't like you wrote yourself a book, followed it, and now you're <laughs> releasing it to, the, you know, to the, the, the wider public. Did you did you do this with your kids? Yes, absolutely. And interestingly, I've got a friend um, whose son is on the autistic spectrum, and we talked about that kind of, you know, how if new is the norm, then they're much more willing to accept it. Um, and we started to test that in all sorts of scenarios, so not just with our diagnosed autistic children but with all of our children so for example you know there's a point over the summer where they don't want to get their shoes on they don't want to leave the house because they've got really used to going out and then you start negotiating with them and saying like do you want to go here or here and they're like no no I don't Mm -hmm. it's Spain or nothing well (laughs) (laughs) nice try um but if you kind of 
just say, right, shoes on, we're going somewhere. And you do that for a few days. Suddenly they've just become really used to that and like, mm-hmm. okay. You know, whereas initially my son was at a point where he was kind of like, I need to know where I'm going. I need to know what stops we're going to have. And the problem with that is that any kind of, you know, kind of spur of the moment changes. And he panicked because it was it was different. It wasn't what was planned. But just by keeping things varied, he was more open to them. So I've seen real success with it outside of food as well. So that was kind of the first thing that I started to introduce. One of the interesting things as well is that as I've got busy and started to revert slightly, I've noticed that and I've noticed them kind of wanting to revert to simpler meals again. Mm-hmm. So that was what inspired the fifth phase of the programme. So the first four phases are kind of introducing increasing variety, but the fifth phase is a little bit different. It's essentially turning the reader into their own recipe developer, their own kind of creative cook. Um, so it's lots of simple things like bread and what to do with leftover veggies to make them a bit more interesting. And then just kind of lots of different combinations of spices or different ways of cooking. It's kind of throwing, you know, another kind of hundred ideas at you to, to just kind of give you the inspiration to think, you know, whatever happens, I can put a little bit of a twist on this or I can grab something I wouldn't normally grab out of the fridge because I don't want to create more work for parents. I don't want them to think, seriously, I have to buy endless recipe books to keep <laughs> making new meals every single day for the rest of my life. I just, you know, I want all parents to just be able to relax and think, whatever I fancy, whatever's in the fridge, whatever restaurant we're at, you know, my kids are actually going to eat something. Mm, yeah. Um. And how important is the reflection part of the process? Because I noticed that in each phase there's this section where you can write uh, almost like feedback on on mm. how, how it's gone is that is that an important part of the process i think it is i think it's it's for me i was talking the other day actually about how i'm not realized that in recent years i'm no longer goal oriented so i no longer look for the kind of the big lofty goal i'm much more progress oriented so you know whether that's going to gym or just you know kind of working through a kid behavioral issues or something I just like to know that I'm moving forward Mm. so I think that the reflection journal just helps you to see that you're moving forward again because you know families will move at different speeds but also it gives you the opportunity to get the kids involved to get them being reflective um, and excited about food and you know coming up with their own ideas so you know kind of you know we did like the burgers but we think they'd have been nicer with cheese in or something you know which again is investing them into the process yeah I guess it's like listening to them rather than just yeah dictating to them them. Mm. Uh, so why is it important to meal plan? Why why is that an important thing to you know to, to do each week? I mean, I first converted to meal planning years ago, but I didn't really get into it until I quit my full time job and was just blogging. Um, and my son was between schools, so I homeschooled for six months, and. We were just constantly at the supermarket buying more things, and then realizing we didn't have what we needed. Um, and so I actually got him meal planning. He was only about five so you know it was interesting um but kind of sitting down we were doing it as one of our kind of homeschooling activities so you know can we make can we make sure that there are five fruit and veg portions in every day for us all and things like that it was quite fun and then I realized as we did it kind of week after week that it became habit it was saving us so much money so much time because we weren't constantly at the supermarket and we were eating better because we were doing a quick kind of tally to make sure that we had planned some veg into kind of every main meal um and it was just so much pressure off because instead of coming into the living room and going what would you like for tea and then having a 10 minute argument <laughs> I was just going right it's Thursday it's fajita night I'm going to put this in it and just getting on with it um and it was just yeah so much easier so I've kind of stuck to it since then so during the program the meal plans are all there for you 
so 10 weeks worth and all the shopping lists are in the back oh, so I saw that that's genius very little thinking to be done yeah no, that's, that's really clever and also I love the idea of getting kids involved with a meal plan as well almost turning it into a bit of a game so you know getting them and also just really sort of getting it into their heads about the whole five fruit and veg a day mm-hmm. and you know the fact that this isn't something that you know you haven't got your parents standing over you while you you know like shovel veg into your mouth it can be an enjoyable experience it's you know it's not necessarily going to be a stressful experience yeah and I think you know food is stressful for a lot of parents you know and it's you know hiding your cake from them so they don't want any um and you know knowing that you're gonna have a battle at the dinner table um you know it it's not good for any of us when we're all kind of stressed at the dinner table so anything that we can do to take that stress away is a great thing so be honest what does an average meal time look like in your your household um so we do the meal planning sort of semi-democratically so i will fill out quite a bit of it because ultimately i'm the one that cooks so i get to choose um and then the kids can kind of vote in some of their favorite things um, and they might make tweaks and things, but it's it's mostly me. And then there's a little bit of democracy at the end where they can kind of add stuff in. Generally, I focus on planning dinners and then making sure we've got enough stuff in for interesting lunches, you know, for something cooked at the weekend and things. I don't worry too much about breakfast because as long as we've got lots of good stuff in, we're absolutely fine. And what did you have for dinner, dinner last night? Oh, my gosh, what did I have for dinner last night? Ah, we had curried corn pasta so um i bought a mixed curried corn pasta yeah so it was okay. completely made up so um because we'd been out in the daytime so it was um some random corn that we had in the fridge so like some sausages and some various bits in there i chopped them up and fried them in a bit of curry powder a bit of sweet chili sauce um then i added some stock and some quick cooked pasta kind of boiled it all down into like a curried pasta dish wow then ladled that out it was a bit sloppy it was quite nice actually it was a bit (laughs) weird it tasted if i'm if i can be so bold as to be this classy it tasted a bit like super noodles oh (laughs) (laughs) that sounds good um Okay, what about parents on lower incomes? I mean, you mentioned super noodles. Like when I was a student, that was like my go-to kind of like cheap and cheerful like lunch. Yeah. Um, and looking through the book, there's you know the ingredients list and you know various things that you, you need to go out and buy, as well as like your kind of store cupboard items. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about parents who haven't got tons of cash to be throwing at you know big supermarket shops every week? Yeah. Can they do some version of of this of your of your of your five phrase program? Yes. So I grew up super poor. Um, you know, like digging down the back of the sofa for coppers so that we could buy the um, nearly gone off bread at the uh, post office and you know, secondhand clothes and all that kind of thing. Um, and so I learned to cook when my mum switched to evening shifts, and we had to kind of make do between us so you know four kids trying to work out how to cook um and the spice cupboard was very much our friend so if we could add you know curry powder or a bit of this or a bit of that then you know it was great and you know frozen veg because it's cheap and you can buy a big value bag of it and you can you know you chuck it in so chuck some into the pasta last night for example um and so at the start it talks about kind of what it would be ideal to have in your store cupboard and it is things like dried pasta it is things like herbs, but you can build your store cupboard up slowly. Right. And obviously, you know, when you buy a big pot of curry powder, that's going to last you absolutely ages. And then the ingredients that are in 
the recipes for the most part are really simple so I've just randomly opened and we've got a, a lentil shepherd's pie so you would need to buy a bag of lentils but lentils are very cheap mm. particularly if you go to the world food section where they tend to sell them in much bigger bags for the same thing I good don't know tip, why good tip. Mm. Yeah. they sell huge bags of spices yeah, as well I've seen them yeah um then you've just got kind of you know your onion and your garlic you've got your curry powder that you'd hopefully have um in the store cupboard got some carrots tin tomatoes i would always go value with those mm. um you've got some gravy granules nothing too fancy there frozen peas and then you mash any fluffy potatoes bit of milk so you know that is a big tray of food that's probably going to feed the whole family with some leftovers and there's nothing too pricey in there mm. so i have tried really hard not to kind of go crazy with it and a lot of the recipes you can make out of kind of your last bits in the fridge so for example uh the yeah the roast vegetable hummus bowl is um you've got a little bit of garlic courgette pepper chop that all up roast it down and then blitz it with a can of chickpeas so um hopefully you you will have some kind of leftover you know i've always got half a pepper it's yeah. always half a pepper <laughs> um and it is half a pepper you need for that recipe and you can of course you can improvise so if you have different veg you can roast them instead and you can make yourself up some hummus and then that is you know that's something that you can kind of whack on your kids plate for a couple of days so for the most part there's nothing super expensive that you'd have to go and buy do you think as well that um you know through doing the program that are you almost like hoping that people will get have the confidence to be able to think, well, I haven't got half a pepper and I haven't got a courgette, but I do have this and this yes. and that will work and I'll give it a go and I'll try and see mm. what it's like. Absolutely. It's interesting because sometimes you'll see people tweet um, either, you know, another chef's recipes or, or my recipes from the blog and they'll say kind of, hope you don't mind, but I changed it to this. I'm like, not only do I not mind, I love it. Change it up, make it different, make it your own. You know, that's how... We should be cooking. I think, you know, obviously when it comes to something really exact, like if you're learning how to make profiteroles or something, you know, I'm not going to say, you know, make up the pastry, it'll work, whatever you do. You have to kind of learn the technique. Um, but, you know, there's some pancake art in here and it kind of tells you that you'll need some pieces of melon and some orange. But, you know, if you've got different fruit in, then by all means, use that. Yeah. And so at the bottom of each recipe, every single recipe, there's at least one tip that will tell you how you can start to explore a different way of making it so for example there's an okra curry okra is quite weird it's in it's in the the kind of uh step into the unknown phase four precisely because it's quite a weird vegetable and when you chop it it's quite snotty there's kind of like almost like a a stretchy goo that goes between the pieces um but yeah the tip will say kind of you know what other vegetables could you use? You know, what have you got in? Maybe a radish curry. You know, I don't want people to kind of look at this and think, oh, I haven't got that ingredient. Use something else. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll tell you what I want to know, Emily. Uh, do you uh, feel like when you have, you know, your kids go over to someone's house for a play date, do you think that the other parents are feeling pressure because they can't serve up, you know, a frozen pizza or... <laughs> <laughs> sausage beans and chips or something like that which is like my standard kind of go-to for a play date I don't know I mean actually my son had some friends around they're kind of 10 11 and I ordered a pizza so <laughs> I thought well I'm you know pressure's off now I'll just order them a pizza I think I'm the coolest mum ever yeah and um, I actually think the pressure is on me so funnily enough a couple of days ago I got a call from um my son's teacher to say that he hadn't eaten any lunch and was he okay 
Um, and I had a word with him and he just said, oh, it's just all really overcooked and grey. And I was just like, oh, God. But I was saying to him kind of, you know, I've got a book out called Get Your Kids to Eat Anything. And you literally just didn't eat lunch. So yeah. and he was like, but it's not because I didn't like potatoes. It's You're not on they brand. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny. Um and then my daughter was like, well, you could always try adding some sauce like this. And it was just really cute. They were like little mini me's kind of debating how to make the food um, palatable. No offence to my school's cooks. I'm sure they're great. Um, I think it's because he comes in towards the end of dinner time. Right, yeah. Leave it to the last minute. It's all gone a bit dry. Yeah. But yes, I think the pressure's more on me. Um, it is quite funny. So we went on a press trip to Jamaica and we were going into these kind of, you know, then they weren't like the big posh restaurants. They were, you know, off the beaten track kind of five stars on TripAdvisor type thing. Um, you know, and the owners would come out and chat to us. And, and this was a few years ago, but we were all, I was already kind of working on this concept. They'd bring stuff out and the kids would just be like, what the? Because I'd never seen this stuff, you know, bread uh, fruit and salt fish and all this kind of stuff. And we just made a deal kind of, as long as you try it and you're polite, you know, have a couple of bites. And if you don't want to eat any more, just leave it. It's fine. Um, and what tended to happen is they'd have a couple of bites and then they'd sort of forget that they were resisting and they just finished their plates. And I was thinking, this really works. Yeah. So, yeah, kind of went from there. The polite thing, I think, is an important thing because that is your worst nightmare, isn't it? A, a child turning their nose up in a really rude way mm. in front of the person that cooked it or served it up. And you're just, like, cringing, like, oh, I'm yeah. so sorry. I think it was um, Harriet from Toby and Rue who told me a story. So her littlest, Edith, is quite a fussy eater. Um, and she'd ordered um, her favourite pasta dish in a restaurant, but when it came, it had kind of an extra vegetable in it that she wasn't expecting. And she just shouted in the middle of the restaurant, they've ruined it! And I just thought, we've all had that yeah, moment. Been Absolutely. there, been there. You know, and actually there have been moments as an adult where my favourite dish has come out in a restaurant and I have thought, they've ruined it. Well, is there anything that you wouldn't eat? Is there anything that was, if it was, you know, served up at a dinner party or a friend's house that you would be a bit like, oh, I'm not sure I can eat this? I can eat anything out of politeness. Okay. Um, I really don't like coffee and desserts, and I really struggle. So I would so pretty the, much... So the, the, the flavour of coffee. Yeah, it just doesn't... Like like tiramisu, I would have to eat. Sorry if anyone's ever served me and I've eaten it politely. I apologise, I'm outing myself. Um, but I would have to kind of spoon it in really quickly and swallow it. I really uh, I really dislike it. Does that mean you don't like the, um, the coffee-flavoured chocolates that you get in the box of chocolates? Not really. Oh, I love them. Yeah, luckily, my husband absolutely adores anything coffee, so he just claims anything like that. Um, but no, I'm usually all right. The only meal I could not finish was a load of us went out as bloggers for Christmas dinner in Nottingham. And um, we'd all ordered this mushroom risotto. And something had gone on. wrong. You went for Christmas dinner and you ordered a mushroom. I mean, that's where, that's where you went wrong, Emily. <laughs> well, this is the thing. So there was only that or a roast. And if so, we didn't want a roast. It was mushroom risotto. I was thinking, oh, it's going to be really nice because it's kind of like a pre-Christmas celebration dinner. And they'd used like basmati rice and cooked it a lot. Yeah. And then it had big pieces, like half cloves of raw garlic in it. And, you know, the dried kind of mushrooms, but they'd just been kind of chucked in near mm-hmm. the end. And it was just this kind of plate of raw garlic, hard mushroom stodge. And I we were all I've trying to, to that eat. restaurant. <laughs> I'm not even joking. There was one time I was serving a risotto that sounds exactly like that. And I couldn't work out at the time what was wrong with it. I hadn't obviously, like, you know, made a risotto myself. I just <laughs> knew it wasn't right. It's just wrong. And I couldn't. You know when your your stomach and your taste buds in your head are all just going, no, 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 yeah. no. And I could not eat it. And I never complain in restaurants. I'm just so British. I'm like, oh, yes, no, it's lovely. Thank you. But it was so obvious because we all just kind of left our food. <laughs> and they took it all away and they came back with them um, like halloumi 
grilled halloumi and salad and loads of bread and we were all very happy oh, okay so they, they kind of made amends then that's yeah. good but we were all very I'm terribly sorry but this is disgusting so you didn't kind of throw yourself <laughs> throw your hands out and say do you know who we are <laughs> we're very important here in Nottingham no no, no. that's good um Listen, Emily, it has been a joy to talk to you. Thank you so much. Your book is Get Your Kids to Eat Anything um, and it's available now. Um, Thank you very much for chatting to me today. Thank you. Big thanks to Emily for being my guest today. Uh, Do let me know if you try any of the tips in her book and find them useful. Uh, In the meantime, please rate and subscribe to my podcast and um, I'll catch up with you next time. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 